Today's daf is Babakama daf nun hey. This is the last daf of the fifth paragraph of Masech's Babakama, the first daf of the sixth paragraph of Masech's Babakama. We're going to pick up at the two dots on the bottom of Daf Nun Dalar Mbez, and the Daf starts with a little bit of Agadita today. The Gemara is going to discuss why it is that the Luchos uh, don't uh, don't have don't say the word Tov uh, by Kibra Ve'em, at least when it comes to the Luchos Rishonos, whereas the Luchos Shnios do have the word Tov. And then the Gemara is going to discuss what seeing the letter Tess in a dream or seeing a Hespid in a dream might mean for a person. And then the Parag is going to conclude by discussing a variety of animals that are very similar to each other, but would still be considered klayim zebazeb, would still be considered to be klayim when mixed with each other. And then Perakakones is going to begin with a Mishnah that discusses when a person, when the, the owner of a, of a sheep is chayim for niske shein varegel. The Gemara is going to comment on the fact that we've been talking about oxen the whole time, and all of a sudden, now we talk about sheep as opposed to oxen, even though it would seem that they would have the same halacha. The Gemara is going to talk about how we only only require a shmira pechusa by Shane Varegel, even according to a mayor who normally requires a Shmira Meula by Karen, maybe Shane Varegel are different. And then at the very end of the daf, the Gemara is going to teach us that, that there are four actions for that damage another party that a person is patrimidine adam, but chayiv bidine shamayim. The basin down here is not going to make him pay, but if he wants to do right, he would pay for it midine shamayim. So let's begin at the two dots on the bottom of Nun Dalar and Beis. Shol Rabbi Chanina ben Agilas, Rabbi Chia Baraba, me prey ma bidibros rishonos, lo nember bam tov, bidibros achronos, nember bam tov. Why is it that by the first set of Asaris Libros, it does not use the word tov, Rashi points out, in the context of Gabi Kibra the Aim? And by the Chronos, by the second set of Asaris Libros, it does say, it does say Tov, it does mention the uh, the word Tov. Instead of asking me why it says Tov in the Dibros Achronos, why don't you ask me if it says Tov in the Dibros Achronos, Im Lav, or if it doesn't say Tov in the Dibros Achronos. Because I don't even know if it does or doesn't say Tov. So instead of asking me why it, the, the word doesn't appear, ask me if the word appears or, not, or doesn't appear. So call you should really ask this question to who was a common Talmud. He was uh, often found learning by Rabbi Shoban Levi, who himself was a big Bucky in Agada, and that's who this question should be addressed to. So Azul Gabei, he went to him, Amalei, me lo shamati. He says, You know what? I never heard directly from Rabbi Shoban Levi. But Shmuel Bar Nachum, the uncle of Rabbi Achim Rabbi Chanina, explained as follows: Va'amrila, Avi Imo Shal Rabbi Achim Rabbi Chanina. And some say no, he was the maternal grandfather of Rabbi Achim Bar Chanina. That the reason the word Tov doesn't appear in the Dibros Rishonos when it comes to Kibbutz Avim is Hovel the Sofanishtaber, because ultimately they were going to break. And since the initial uh, luchos were going to break, so this is a dafyomi coincidence because we're learning this on. Shiva Asr Betamuz, right? So uh, since the original luchos were going to were going to break, so uh, so that's why it didn't say tov 
in the original Lucha. So I asked Umar, how does that explain it? Who cares that it was going to break? What does that have to do with the word Tov? So Ravashi, Chas V'Shol, and Pascha Tov in Yisrael. That would give the indication that Tova has stopped from Kal Yisrael, that goodness has broken and has stopped from Kal Yisrael. So we certainly don't want to give that indication, and therefore Kodesh Baruch Hu saw to it, knowing in advance that it was going to break, only gave uh, Luchos that did not have the word Tov in them, which is remarkable if you think about it. That It means that Kodesh Baruch who was already planning in advance that it was going to break, that the way he wrote it, it was planned to, to break. And yet, he still wrote it and still gave it. You would think if he knew that it was going to, I mean, obviously he knows, he's Kodesh Baruch but knowing that it was going to break, why bother go through the whole process? But no, we do that. That's what the Rishonim point out, that when they built the second base on Mikdash, certainly the first base on Mikdash, but even the second base on Mikdash, they were fully aware of the, of the fact that it was going to break, that, that it was going to be destroyed, rather. The first base of Mikdash, they were fully aware of the fact that it was going to be destroyed because they already knew that from the times of the Maragdim. You made this a Bechiel Chinam, I'm going to be Kovelech and Bechiel Ledoros. You're going to lose the base of Mikdash on Tishbab. So they knew that there was going to be a time that they were going to lose the base of Mikdash. The second base of Mikdash, the Rich Varite Mesech Roshana, the Ravid writes, that they understood that it, was going to, that it was going to be destroyed because their understanding was that only if everybody comes up to, that's what the Navi says, that if everyone comes up after Gullah's Bavel to help build the second base of Middash, then it's going to last. But knowing that very few people actually returned, very few people actually came up to, to help rebuild the second base of Middash, so they knew that the second base of Middash was, uh, was not going to last, and they built it anyway. They built it knowing that it was going to be destroyed. Sometimes it's worth going through the process. It's worth having something even for a short period of time, even though ultimately you know that it's, uh, that it's going to be lost. I mean, uh, on a, on, a, on a different uh, scale, that's living life. Uh, every person, uh, almost every person, with a few exceptions, the Gemara has of people who've been born in this world have also died, and yet we still uh, we still go through life because there's a lot that could be accomplished in between. So the four cent- four plus centuries of having a base of was worth it. So who knows? Maybe the experience of receiving those luchos rishonos, knowing that it was something l'shtaber. Okay, so we plan ahead for that a little bit. Because Baruch doesn't put the tov in there, but it was worth it was worth the experience. But the bigger problem with this Gemara, the fundamental problem with this Gemara that all of the Yachronim are bothered by is what does it mean? Rabbi Chiyabar Abba doesn't know a Pasuk Mefurash, that even Tinoka Shabbat Rabbin know this Pasuk, that it doesn't say Tov in the Luchos Rishonos. What's he saying? Don't ask me why, ask me if? What do you mean if? Of course, just open up a Chumash, open up a Torah, you know that, that, it, that it says Tov in the second Luchos, not the first ones. And furthermore, right, meaning first that he doesn't know it, and second just bring a Sefer Torah. If, if you don't know it, bring a Sefer Torah and, and, and check it out. That's what the Gemara Kedush and Daflamid says, that when they uh, they wanted to know how many letters were in the Torah, so the Gemara says, well, why don't we just bring a, t- a Nesi Sefer Menichsi, bring a Torah, let's, let's count. So the Gemara over there said, no, we couldn't bring a Torah and count because we're not Pekin B'chaseros V'yaseros. That we don't know when there's, uh, how to spell every word exactly, whether there's an extra hey, an extra yod, a missing hey. Okay, so we're not Pekin B'chaseros V'yaseros. That doesn't help us over here. Over here it's an entire a phrase of Lamanitavlach. So uh, so you can't give that answer. Pnei Yeshua says also the 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 uh, of his lashon. 
Ad shatashwalni shalni imnoma sheni yodea imnoma. I mean, just say any yodea, right? Or any yodea imnoma vem tov. The the arichas of the lashon is also uh, troubling. So uh, the Tosfos in the Sechus Babasra Daf Kufiyu Gimel has a startling statement, and it's actually referred to over here. Gilion Shashvikiveger refers you to this Tosfos Babasra Kufiyu Gimel Menal Tosfos Dimur Maskel Tarvayu that Mikan Muchach that not all the Amoraim were bekim in Chumash. That uh, expertise in Tanakh by people who were very, very well versed in Tarsh Balpeh was uh, wanting even in those days. That a lot of them were not so well versed in, uh, in Tanakh. But don't you have to make like drushas and everything? Like yeah, that? very difficult, very difficult to say this. The Chuvas Ma'aril and some Kuvim Tess says, Tzarech even whether you're even allowed to say that about, uh, about, about the Tanakh and Amoraim. Very, very difficult. Um, yeah, very, very difficult. I mean, the, the idea that to say that he wasn't a great Bucky in Agada, okay, that's one thing. But to say that he didn't know uh, that he didn't that he didn't know the Chumash, that's very, very difficult to understand. So there are suge- there are suggestions offered by different Achronim, the uh, the Pnei Yeshua and some of the other Achronim suggest that, of course, he knew that it said Tov in the first Luchos and not in the second Luchos. He wasn't sure what the Dibros Achronos that it says in Parshat were the Dibros Harishonos that, uh, that are the same as the Dibros Harishonos of Parshat Yisro, and they're only called, um, and, and, and uh, um, the, the, the only reason they're called Rishonim and Achronim is because these were written first, these were written last. Meaning, it's not, it wasn't clear to him that the, right, the two accounts of Asaras Dibros in Torah were necessarily a reflection of the two sets of Luchos that we got. Maybe these are just two accounts of the same set of Luchos, and we have to figure out what it actually said on it, and there's some explanation for the discrepancies, but not that they actually cut down the lines of that what it says in Yisro is the first set of is the first Luchos of Moshe God and the second one is the second set that's what he says I don't know if it says if it says uh, Tov maybe it was multiple things coming out of Kodesh Baruch's mouth at the same time right Shomer V'zachar B'di Barecha Nemru so I, we, we don't know exactly he wasn't sure exactly uh, what, what it meant so that's one uh, one possibility and the Joshua um, let's see uh, the, the Ben Yoyada suggests that he knew the Pasuk of Lach. He said, because you could explain the Pasuk Yitavlach that it's Milashon Tov, or you could explain it's Milashon Shlemus and Tamimus. So Rechiv Rabbah says the Manitav is Lashon Shlemus and Tamimus, and is coming to tell me that someone who's Mechabit, his father and mother, is going to be Zochet to a sense of completeness, to Shlemus and Tamimus, because someone who's Mevaz, his father and mother, is going to be, uh, is going to come to, to blindness. That's what uh, Chazal Darshan. So that's why Kabir is Vich Vasimel, Manitavlach, so that you'll be a Shalim Vitamim, that you'll be physically uh, perfect, and that you'll have, you'll have a sense of Shlemus in your life. So that's what he's saying. I don't know whether the Manita Vlach means what you think it means or doesn't mean what you think it means. So that's the second possibility. Um, there are other possibilities as, as well. Tertimim says, based on the Medrash, that Bishash Amr Lakurj Bark Lamosha Benushit and Laluk Sachronos, Samach Moshe, Pasach Vamar Tovli Toras Picha, Mealfe Zavi Kesef. Makurj Bark told Moshe Rabbeinu that he's going to give him the second Luchos. He was very happy and he said, uh, It's better for me, the Toras Picha, than thousands of gold and silver. And that's what Hanin ben Agil was trying to ask. Why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu say this Pasuk when HaKadosh Baruch Hu let him know about the Luchos Rishonos? I mean, it's only Luchos Shniyos that totally Torah Spicham Al-Fei Zav Kesef. Why not by the Luchos Rishonos? So B'chiv Rabbi says, Atcha Tashu'ani Lamanem Ravem Tov, Shani Imnem Ravem Tov, Imlo Sheni Odea, meaning I don't know from this Agada uh, that the Luchos Shniyos Moshe Rabbeinu 
said totally Torah's pichel, because I don't know anything about Agadah. You're asking me a detailed shayla about Agadah, so it wasn't about the pasuk l'manitadlach. He was asking, why did Moshe Rabbeinu say tov about the second luchos, and he didn't say tov about the first luchos? Wasn't he equally excited about the, about the first luchos? It could be that uh, that that the answer to that question might have been that if uh, that 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 um, meaning the the Gemara gives the answer that no that the it's he said tov about the second luchos because they, he knew that they would last forever right one could have suggested alternatively that the first luchos um, he he never lost a luchos beforehand when you lost something and you yearn for it so then it's a much it's it's much greater excitement when you get it back than when you never lost something in the first place and you had simply never never seen something. So anyway, so the, but the answer was that Pascha Tov and Yisrael, breaking Luchos, let's say the word Tov, would be Pascha Tov and Yisrael. And Sefer Torah Chaim raises the question, so why does it say Arichos Yamim in the Luchos Rishonos? Why aren't we worried so from the Shtaber and that they're going to say Pascha Arichos Yamim? That it does say in the second Luchos, in the first Luchos, Lemanya Arichon Yamecha. So the Torah Chaim suggests that Lemanya Arichon Yamecha Adama doesn't mean Arichos Yamim, it means living in Eretz Yisrael, which is going to be La'orich Yamin. So that's going to be, so So really, since the Luchas were broken, it, we talk, it didn't have that. We, we lost Eretz Yisrael for uh, a good a good chunk of, a uh, good majority of, uh, of our history. So that's the, uh, that's, that's the, the uh, the reason that Almanya Rikhun Yamecha Itaka was a bad sign that Almanya Rikhun Yamecha was broken in the first Lucha suggests the Torah Schaim. Says Maravaita Ram Bishwa Tes Bikalomo Simon Yafalo. If someone sees the letter Tes in his dream, that's a good sign. My time, what's the reason that it's a good sign? Tov. If you can say because the word test must be a reference to the word tov, ema, but I'll tell you that maybe it refers to something else. That it's a reference to a pasuk that's really about destruction. So it says, no, 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 chad test it, 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 We're talking about seeing one test in a dream. That's a lot of tests. So that's not just, uh, that, that can't be what it's referring to when it's just one test in a dream. Uh, okay, Ema, maybe it's referring to Tum Asa Bishuleha, the Pasuk in Eicha, which is certainly not a positive omen. So, no, Tes Beis Kamina. Tum Asa Bishuleha is a Tes Beis combination. We're talking about seeing just a Tes in the dream. Ema Tavu Ba'aretz Sha'areha, maybe, I'm sorry, Tes Beis Kamina, we're talking about when you see Tes Beis in the dream, Tum Asa is only Tes. Um, tov has Tes and Beis in the same word. But okay, you want Tess and Bez in the same word. There are plenty of negative psukim to look at. Ema tavu va'eretz sha'areh. So tavu also pasukinecha. That uh, that that it's also Tess and a Bez. Ela hol pasuk ba'akasal tovet chila shemi breishes al v'yarukim esar loksiv Tess. That since the first time the letter Tess appears in the Torah is to spell the word tov because from breishes until v'yarukim esar until. Uh, uh, until until the Arkhamas are Kitov, the letter test did not appear in the Torah. So that's why if you see tests in a dream, you have the right to assume that you're seeing the first test in the Torah. This is uh, one of the sources for the notion that if you really want to get to what something is all about, you look at the first time it appears in the Torah, and then you can understand what something is all about. So that's a notion that's common in Drashos, but here you have it directly in Chazal. If you want to know what the word test is really all about, look at the first time the word test appears in the Torah. 
throw a hespid bechalomo. If someone sees a eulogy in his in, in his dream, chaswalav minashmayim paduuhu. He should know that they had rachmanus on him in Hashemayim. He was supposed to die, but he was redeemed instead. Um, meaning, if he sees the word hespid in a dream, hanimili bechsava. But that's only if he sees it in writing. He sees the word hespid written out, but not that he actually sees a hespid going on. In the Sefer Yifet Tower, he raises the question that Chazal tells the Gemara Sanhedrin Taflam tells us, Divrei Chalomos Lomalin Velomaridin. If you have a dream, don't worry about it. It doesn't mean anything. And over here, we're saying very specifically, if you see this in a dream, it means this. If you say that in a dream, it means that. In the context of that Gemara Sanhedrin, it says that a person uh, had lost his father. His father had died, and his father came to him in a dream and said, if you go out into the field and you take 10 paces to the left in this very specific location, and you dig down, you're going to find underground a lot of money that I have hidden there. And you should know that that money is Meister Shani money. And the guy woke up, and he goes out into the field, exactly the spot that his father said, and he digs down, and lo and behold, there's all that money there. So he went to ask Hashayla, do I have to assume it's Meister Shani money? And they said, it's just a dream. Dreams don't mean anything. Which means they must have assumed that he probably knew about that money. I've forgotten that he knew about the money somewhere in his subconscious. It told him about it. Or that uh, you don't know which parts of dreams are MS and which parts of dreams have divreshtos. So why are we so interested in listening to the dreams of you? The truth is it's not only Akash and Gemara, there are an entire mudum uh, of Gemara Masechus Brachas that tell you about uh, if you see this in a dream it means that if you see that in a dream it means... So there, there, are, there are there is a lot of stock uh, put into uh, certain messages in dreams. And the Torah suggests that Chazal do not mean to say that dreams are worthless. does not mean it's worthless. What they mean to say is that as they appear on the simplest level, don't say, oh, well, there was a monkey with two heads in my dream that came and started, uh, whatever, I don't know, I'm just, whatever crazy things you can imagine. Your dream. So that means that there's going to be a monkey with two heads. No, the monkey represents whatever, and the two heads represent, there's representative value, but not poshut value. It's not what, it, things are not what they seem in, in, in dreams. A lot of times, that's what the Gemara in Brachos highlights, that that sometimes a dream will seem like it's terrible, but the pisron of the dream, the interpretation of the dream, is the tov, it's actually very good, or vice versa. So that's what the Yufei Torah suggests, and that's the Chor of the Pashtos. He also points out, how could Chazal be Koveya the pisron if you assume HaKol Holi Chachar Pisron? The Gemara Brachos Dafim Vav Amenalev is that it depends, the person has, has the leeway to interpret the tov or the ra. So how can you, Chazal say over here, if you see this, it means this, like there's only one meaning. Sounds like it's not and they Chazal derived from Pasuk that the uh, the that the, the the interpretations happened as he was poser for them. So uh, he suggests that he can't say that uh, that the entire interpretation of the dream is completely up to the interpreter and that it has no inherent value because uh, it seems that that's not the, the case. He says, no, what it means is that someone who interprets the dream has the ability to be mashpia on the dream. Just like a person has the ability to give you a bracha or to give you a klala and to be mishana a dream should be viewed as a partial and when the person is interpreting it, if he adds a positive spin to what might have otherwise been a negative dream, that's a positive interpretation. That's like a bracha. It's like getting a bracha that whatever the gzeiro was should change. Now, the other uh, point of being, seeing a hespid in a dream, the mashar writes that since you see it, 
It's a lashon of pidyon, of chas, pad, that you see the words hesped, hey, and ches are very similar to each other. So chas, kadosh and pad, then there was pidyon, because hey and ches can always be switched out for each other. So that's why the dafka, if you see it, piksav. Taras Chaim says the reason he didn't, didn't see the word chas, pad, is to be merames, that, that there was a gzeira on him, that there was supposed to be an actual husband, as opposed to just letting him know the good news. You have to let him know that, look, you know, you were in danger over here. You should have an appreciation of, uh, of, of being saved. From uh, from situations of danger, sometimes, very often, people uh, don't even realize that there was a danger. How many times does the government, uh, you know, does the do, do the uh, the authorities find a would-be terrorist, and we never even hear about it, and they shut it down before it ever happens? We don't even know that that that, that day we could have died that day, that there was a danger that Rosh Baruch Hu had had saved us. So when when we come to the recognition of just how how scary it was, so then we have a much greater akaras atov to the rebellion. That's what Parshas Balak is, right? Kali went through the midbar, had no idea, had no idea that uh, that anything that someone was about trying to curse them, that they should be wiped out, that they were this close to complete annihilation. They weren't even involved in the whole parsha. Balak and Bilam are on a mountaintop somewhere doing their thing. The first time Kali Sol hears about it, he says, "Shouting Matovah Yaakov, oh, thanks so much." You know, there was no uh, there was no no sense. Of what, oh, but that, but that's the, but that's the point. Now we understand, we appreciate what Hakadosh Baruch Hu did for us. Okay, says the Gemara further at the two dots now. That's how got a different day. So now we move back. So Chayva of Keotzibahen that that Chayos and Ofos also are claim uh, with each other. Some Rish Lakish Kanchan Rabbi Tarnagol Tavos Upasyone Klayim Zabizeh that these different types of animals, these different types of birds are claim with each other. Uh, Rashi translates what they are exactly. But whatever they are, pshita says. Well, of course, they're climbing with each other. They're not the same. Amar Chaviv Mishum de Rabu Bahadi Adadi. Now that since they, uh, they they they're raised together, Mal Detema Min Chadu. I might think that they're all considered one Min Kamash Mulan. Therefore, it tells me just because in the zoo they keep them in the same pen, it doesn't mean that they're the same Min. A goose and a wild goose are, are climbing with each other. They're actually two different meanings. What, what separates them? What makes them different? If you say that one has a long beak and one has a short beak, so then you say two types of camels, one that has a thicker neck and one that has a thinner neck. You can say that they're climbing with each other as well. The difference between them is one has testicles outside the body, external, and the other one has its, its uh, zachrus, uh, its uh, male uh, organ, inside the, the body. Uh, the, the, at least the testicles inside the body, the internal. That uh, it's a matter of what the, the, uh, the what what they're what kind of bundle they're able to carry. That uh, that that's the distinguishing characteristic uh, be- between them. That uh, that that uh, that that. Um, it's it, the, there are two meaning because the nakevos are different from each other. Not bundle they're able to carry. What kind of eggs they they have? That the the female avas uh, habar, um, the female wild goose, um, only has one egg, lays one egg at a time, 
and only after that egg is done does it begin with a new egg. Whereas the other one has many eggs simultaneously that are developing with the non-wild goose. So that's the difference between the two of them. If one mates two different types of sea creatures, he gets malchus from mating clients with each other. The word luminehu appears when it describes the sea creatures, it appears when it describes the land creatures. So just like there's Nisida Raisa to mate two different land creatures with each other, you have a similar Nisida when it comes to sea creatures. Mahu. What if a person is uh, leaving uh, on the se- with the same wagon a, a goat and a fish? And they're, they're both pulling the wagon. I guess they have uh, one rope tied to this massive fish and one rope tied to, uh, to a goat. And they're both pulling the wagon on the, on the ground. If you can imagine figuring out such a, uh, such a case. So, Mahu, is that a violation of the Yisra of being Manik Biklayim? So, do we say, well, since the goat's never going to go in the water and the fish is never going to come in the dry land, so you're not violating any Yisra because you're not mixing the two in any way. They're not mixable. Or maybe no. He is. They are. Look, they're both pulling this wagon together. So maybe that should be considered, should be considered yachtov. And that should be a violation of the, uh, of, the of the Yisr. Tosin Avodazara says that a Shibu is a uh, is is a sea goat, an Aiz Hayam. It's not just a uh, a fish, whatever. It's a good, not a sea. It's a goat that uh, that's able to to make it in the sea, whatever. The the domestic Eliezer explains the suffix based on the Rambam in the Klein Parakhtas Alachas. The Rambam writes that there's no Isra of being manig midaraisa of having two animals leave midaraisa unless it's a min tamei v'tahar. So the suffix of the Gemara is about an Aiz and Shibuta, which are both kosher. Uh, which is only Mr. Midrabanan. Cham Asr even Minim Tahorim Midrabanan, unless you come to be Marbiadam, unless you come to mate them as well. So you could say the suffix is, since it's not possible to be Marbiya, these two animals, you can't, you can't take a goat and a fish. Nothing's going to happen if you try to mate them. So maybe therefore the Rabbanan would say that it would be Mutter to, uh, to have them leave, because since they're both kosher, it's only Mr. Drabanan, unless you mate them. You can't mate them, so therefore maybe it would be okay. Or maybe it's a low plug. Chum said you can't have two different animals pull a wagon, so you can't have two different animals pull a wagon, whether it's shaykh or not shaykh. That's how domestic Eliezer explains. Ramayshe in Dibros Moshe, Simon Lam Gimel, says something the Gemara is whether this reclaim is on a connecting two minim through harva, hanhaga, or zriya, and then you'll be potter by being manik dag ve'ez, because it's not shayif to have a chibur between them, since it's not, this one's not going to be orliyam, that one's not going to be orliyavasha. Or maybe the isra's on the maisa harva, the maisa hanhaga, the maisa zriya, not about the chibur b'nehem, that the suffix is, what is the isra of claim of having two animals pull your wagon? Is it an isra of chibur of those two animals through the medium of pulling your wagon? Or is it that you can't have two different animals pull your wagon, period? Nothing about uh, being mechaber them together. So if you hold it's about chibor, well, there is no chibor over here because they can't, they're unconnectable. But if you hold it, it's not about chibor, it's just about having them be manik. So then it is, that's how Moshe understands the shilas. So master Ravina, Elamehata, how could you say that it's going to be a violation of the Yisra Klein if they're in two different spots? If you can say that, chibor chitu soro 
If you hold a stalk of wheat and barley in your hand, or let's say you plant a stalk of wheat in Eretz Yisrael and barley in Chutz Laaretz, where you're allowed to plant uh, Klayim, um, because the Klayim is on the Mitzvah Tlui Baaretz, you can say in that case, that's considered that you connected them together and you're going to be Chayiv, even though they're in two totally different places, and you violate Klayim, just like uh, in our case, where you have one animal on the land, one animal in the sea, that it's a violation. So Amri, how can you compare the two? Hasam, when you're Zoreya, Achita, and Eretzel, and Saron, Chutzlar, the reason your partner is Eretz, Makom, Chiyuva, Chutzlar, Tzlomakom, Chiyuva. The whole din of Kilei's Ram only applies in Eretz Yisrael, does not apply in Chutzlar, but Hacha, but by uh, leading the, uh, pulling the wagon with the goat and the fish, Idi, Vidi, Chiyuva, who both, uh, fit, both sea, sea creatures and land creatures do have an Isra of Klein. If you're a Managa wagon with two different types of behemoths or your Managa Svina with two different types of fish, you would be Chayiv Mishum Klein. So therefore, there's room for a Shaila over here, whereas there wouldn't be room for a Shaila in the, in, the other, in the other case. Now, the Gemara doesn't say how we know that that's true, that if you're Managa with two different types of fish, that that actually is a violation of Klein. Tosas, Nibra Maslan Manik says that it's also learned from the Gzair Shav of Liminehu, that just like Liminehu, Liminehu, Meyabasha, we had before, so we learn from the Gzer Shav over here. Or Gzer Shav Behemtacha by Klaim Daharva and Behemtacha by Shabbos. That there's Nisr Malacha, whatever you're not allowed to do Malacha with on Shabbos, you're not allowed to, be, you're not allowed to do Klaim with. So just like Nisr Malacha will apply to Dagim, so it'll apply over here as well. But you got to give some sort of answer, meaning the Gemara never says, never has a Drasha in Shas that tells us how we know you're not allowed to do different types of fish. And the Gemara over here assumes that it's Dover Pasha that you're not allowed to. So there must have been some Drasha. Russia that the Gemara was assuming uh, that the Gemara was assuming was put into place. Okay, so Hadron Lach Shosh Nachasapara. We now begin the sixth parak of Nesachas Babakam. Says the Mishnah. If a person brings a sheep into a pen, and so again we're we're switching gears and talking about a sheep. So he brings a sheep into a pen and he locks it karawi properly and it goes out and damages your putter, you did everything that you that you could have that you could have done. Now Tosyantov raises the question, why doesn't the Tana mention over here? By the way, you're not allowed to be Megadal Behemadaka Beretz Yisrael, because there is such a halacha that you're not allowed to raise small animals in, uh, in Eretz Yisrael. We're talking about Shmira of its own, that it shouldn't damage, so it should have mentioned, you know, it shouldn't come to this, because you're not supposed to be Megadal Behemadaka. In the base David, he suggests that first want to tell me the Nizakim, which are Minat Torah, and then afterwards tell me the Takanas Chachamim, about not being Megadal Behemadaka. That's why it says it in that, in that order. Now, the Tosus points out already in Dibra Maschal Komis, the very first Tosos, that that really this Mishnah belongs earlier with all the Dinam of Shar. Not after, remember, we took a big break to discuss all the Dinam of Bar, right? We were talking about Shar, then a whole bunch of Mishnahs about Bar, and now we're going back to its own. So what's going on over here? But since on Daphnam Zayim Beis, it said about a Din of a Shar that falls into a Bar, and Hivish as Maimav, Okay, so that uh, leads us to talk about uh, bar for a little bit. And now we go back to our originally scheduled program. That's, uh, that's how, how Tosos understands. But there's a lot of discussion about that, that idea. So anyway, so that's halacha number one. You bring the sheep into the pen, you lock it properly, it goes out and damages anyway. You patr, you did your due diligence, you did everything you were able to do. Lo no, if you didn't lock it properly... 
and it goes out and it does damage, then you're going to be to be chayiv. So w- once we tell me that you lock it properly, you're potter. It, won't I be able to figure out on my own that if you don't lock it properly, you can be chayiv? Why does it have to spell it out? Panamira suggests that the safe of the mission is teaching us that when the ratio says nabufnakura is potter, it does not mean ni'ilum u'la. It doesn't mean shmira mu'ula. It means a regular shmira. And uh, that, like when you see in the Bryce and the Gemara, and that's why only if lom nol b'fanel karoi legamri you're going to be chayiv. When you really were not roi, if it was somewhere in between, you're still going to be pater. Shmir b'chus is good enough, but it's only if you really did a bad job that you can be chayiv. That's the chiddush of that line. Nifritz of Elayla Osha Pertzua Listim Vyatzavizika Pater. If the, the, the fence broke down in the middle of the night, or Listim came and broke it out, and the animal goes out and does damage, you're also going to be Pater. Hotzior Listim, Listim Chayavim. If the Listim let it out, then the Listim are going to be Chayav. Hinicha Bechama, if a person put it in the, uh, in, the, in the, put the animal out in the sun, well, I guess that's a Dafyomi coincidence in this heat wave, Oshamasal Cherishot of Katan, the Yatsavizika, or you tr- you entrusted it with a Cherishot of Katan, and it went out and did damage, so Chayev, you can be Chayev for that as as well, um, by leave, for leaving it in the sun and giving it to a Cherishot of Katan. The Rambam, and this came up in Paragdal Alachavav, writes that if a person gives his behemoth to a Cherishot of Katan and does damage, Chayev even if it was tied up properly, the Ramah adds. So it turns out when we said and you gave it to Cherishot of Katan, we're talking about the same situation. is only a problem if it was That's the sheet of Chizka we had in that test, that even by a shard that's tied up or a bar that's mechusa, you're chayv if you give it to Cherishot of Katan, because it's not just that kids do nothing, kids are destructive. They'll mess around with things, they'll untie it, they'll uncover it. So it's irresponsible to leave even a tied up shard with a Cherishot of Katan. But the Raiva disagrees with the Rambam. He passes like Rabbi Yochanan in that sugya. That if you give a short kosher or a bar mechusa to cherishot of a katan, they're going to be potter. When it says over here, you give it to cherishot of a katan chayiv, it means that you didn't lock it up at all. And so it turns out, according to Rabbi Yochanan, <coughs> that's only if it's tied up. Because if it wasn't tied up, it could just walk away into the shade. But but giving it the cherishot of a katan, that's only if it's not tied up. Then the mission continues. If you entrust it with a shepherd, so now the shepherd becomes you, he takes on all your responsibilities. If the animal fell into a garden and got hana'a from the vegetables in the garden, the owner has to pay for the hana'a that he got. If it just walked right through the garden and damaged the garden by walking through it, you got to pay for those damages. How do you cheshbin the uh, payment? You take an area of that field that he walked through, how much was it worth before the animal trampled on it? How much is it worth after the animal trampled on it? And you pay the difference. Rabbi Shimon Omar Achla Perus Gemurim, Mishlamis Perus Gemurim. He says, no. If it ate fully, uh, you know, fully formed fruits, uh, then it's got to pay the value of those fruits, what those fruits would fetch, the market value. Whatever amount it may have been, which is probably a lot more money than the difference in value of a field after it's been trampled on, because the field has uh, eternal value. It's always going to be there, so that's all cheshbon into the value. Whereas if you're looking at a fruit, it's just this one-time this one time thing. What do we mean exactly when we say, you locked it up karo'i or shalokaro'i? What's, what's, what, what qualifies as uh, karo'i or shalokaro'i? 
If it's able to withstand the normal wind, that's good enough. That's karawi. If it's not able to withstand just a regular wind, then that's called shalok karawi. So who's the author of our mission that apparently is assuming that a Shemir B'chusa suffices to guard your animal? Rabbi Yehudi, that's Rabbi Yehudi. Remeir holds whether you have a short time or a short muad. As long as you did a Shemir B'chusa, you're going to be... I'm sorry, even though you did a Shemir B'chusa, you're going to be Chayiv, Shemir does not suffice, but Rabbi Yudah Omer Tam Chayev Muad Pater. Rabbi Yudah says, No, no, Shartam needs a Shmir Mu'ula. Remember, that was odd that a Shartam needs a greater Shmir, but that's the Allah, Xeris Akasim. Shartam needs a Shmir Mu'ula. A Shmuad is Pater, does not require a Shmir Mu'ula. Shenemar Veloyishmarenu Ba'alav Vishamruza, because the Pasuk says by Shmuad that you're Chayev if but over here it is Shamur. You did watch it with the Shmir Pachusa, that's all you need. So see and that the only way to actually guard the animal is killing it. But bottom line is you see that our mission must be similar like Rabbi Yehuda, because Rabbi Yudah says when it comes to Karen that a Shmira Pachusa is enough. And our Mishnah says when it comes to Shane and Regel, that a Shmira Pachusa is enough. So says I feel the same Rameir. Even if you assume like Rameir holds that you need a Shmira Mu'ula, even for a short time, even for a Shamuad rather, he would agree by us, by Shane Varegel, where an animal is always a Mu'ad for Shane Varegel, that Shmira Pachus is enough. Shiny Shane Varegel, that Torah Miata Bishmirasan. Shane Varegel is different because the Torah specifically goes out of its way to tell us that the Shmira necessary is not a very high level Shmira. There are four uh, cases, four things, four types in the Zikin where the Torah tells us a Shmir Pchus is enough. Ve'eluhein, Bor, Ve'esh, Shein, Meregel. How do we see each of these things? The Torah describes opening up or digging a bar and not covering it up. So, but the implication is that if you do cover it up with any sort of covering, potter, and you don't have to totally fill in the bar with dirt and you know make it like like good as new. A shmira is apparently good enough just by covering up the bar. And even if you can say that the Torah means that you got to cover it with a rock solid cover with a really strong cover, but still that's not. I mean, the best way to really be shomer bar is by, by filling it in. That's how Rashi explains, based on the way Tos understands. Tos suggests from the fact that the Torah says that you could cover it up and it doesn't say stima ba'afar, you see that you don't need a kisoy mu'ula. If you needed a kisoy mu'ula, then we would have said you could just cover it up, because kisoy mu'ula is the same thing as, as filling it in with dirt. So the, by the fact that you don't fill it in with dirt, Tos says, you see that it must be that you don't have to cover it up with a, uh, with a really strong kisoy either. Bar, where do we, I'm sorry, Aish, uh, where do we find Aish gets away with the Shemir Pachusa? Because the Pasuk says, Shalem, Shalem, Hamavir, Sabeira. That from the fact that it says Hamavir, we learn, Adda Avid Kein Mavir. One is only Chayef for Aish if he did an action that's like Havara. He did he did something, he was Poshea with guarding a fire. But if he was not Poshea at all with the guarding of a fire, he was Shomer Shemir Pachusa, then he's going to be, he's going to be Pater. So that's if he uh, lit a fire and at the time, whatever. So that's that's that that that's the H. Shane tchsev. How do I know by Shane and Shmir Pchus is enough? 
Ubir b'steacher, Adavid ken ubir. From the fact that he used the word ubir, it could have said ki yaver. No, but it says ubir. So you see that it has to be that he does a pula of biur, that he's machil beim a biadayim. So that's a complete negligence with a shmir. That's when he's going to be chayiv. But a shmir pchusa would be good enough. Regal Where do we find regal? The only need a shmir pchusa. It says v'shilach Adavid ken v'shilach. From the fact that it says v'shilach, it has to be that it's as if he was mishaleach the behemoth to go do that damage. Short of that, if he did a shmir b'chus, that's good enough. It says the, the Gemara still doesn't uh, tell us how we know that the Torahs might niskeshen v'regel that they only need a shmir b'chusa. V'tanya v'shilach zeh regel. How do I? Meaning the Torah told us about these psukim, but I don't know if these psukim line up with shen and regel. So no, no, we know v'shilach is a reference to regel. V'chinom mishalchi regel ashar v'chamor. Uvir zehashen. The word uvir is reference to shen. V'chein uomer because pasim lachem alav kasher yivayer hagolol atumo. That someone who eats is called mivayer. So that's how you see that it's shen. So time David can v'shilach uvir halo avid lo. So you see davka v'shen v'regel. You're only going to be chayiv if you're completely negligent. But if you do shmir pchusa, that's good enough. And it's muchach this way that that shen and regal only require shmir pchusa is muchach in the in, in the mission this way the katani son why all of a sudden to start talking about a sheep we've been dealing with a shar until now nisni shar why doesn't the mission talk about these dinim in the context of a shar isn't it because the Torah is telling us that you you don't need such a significant shmir um, that by Niske Shein Varegel, so Lav Mishum Dikan Karen Lok Sivaba, and it's because over here it doesn't. So Gemara says Lav. Um, it, it's because maybe it's because it doesn't say Karen over here, and only Shein Varegel Dikzibeg. That's why it says its own. Because it only talks about this case shein regel, so come come ashem lan the shein regel the modinu, and it's teaching us that shein and regel are muad that only by shein regel they're considered muad mitchilasam. They never wore tam, and it's enough to have a shmir of pchusa. But a shor muad needs a shmir muula, unlike shitas rabuda. So shemaminav v'nigo. It's all telling us. So I read it wrong. It's all telling us the same thing. It's like, why does it switch to tzon and not talk about uh, not talk about a shor anymore to tell me that 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 you only need a shmir pchusa. Because tzon doesn't have karen. It's not going to gore anything, right? The tzon is a mur mitchilasa for shein v'regel, and it only requires a shmira p'chusa, because, uh, because a, a, a mur only requires shmira p'chusa. Even Rabbi Yehuda, who, require, who requires only shmira p'chusa by a tam, would require shmira b'ula. But that's what we're trying to establish, that this is a mur. That's why we talk about tzon. This is a mur, and therefore it only requires shmira p'chusa. Okay, I guess tomorrow we'll get into the, uh, to, to the, the, the four things. We might as well just read the, the, the Bryson now, the last two lines. Tanya, Rabbi Shuar, Bad, there are four things that if a person does these things, Bazin can't make you pay, but you can be You knock down a wall that's uh, that's enclosing your your friend's animal, and he goes out and he uh, and he escapes. If uh, you you see a fire coming and you you put your friend's stuff in the way of the fire, so you didn't actually burn it, but you put it in the in the path of the fire. You hire false witnesses to testify. Or you know, you know testimony that's going to help your friend out that someone owes him money, but you refuse to testify about it. In all those cases,